Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Kevin Norcross. I'm a pastor of Next Generation and Outreach. And um, yes, Pastor Charles was scheduled to teach today. Uh, he and Cheryl and Tiffany uh, went, on a, went on a trip and they got back late last week and discovered they had COVID. So they're staying at home, hunkering down, looking after themselves. And uh, so I'm gonna be teaching today on, um, uh, on active faith. And uh, we hope that you can be here next Sunday. Next Sunday is Pastor Charles' last message where he'll be, uh, full message he'll be sharing. And then on the 26th, we're gonna celebrate the Stone family and it's gonna be a great service. And spoiler alert, you're probably gonna get Cheetos at the end of the service, okay? It's gonna be a good time. Don't miss uh, March 26th. So yeah, I'm gonna be teaching on active faith today. I'm looking forward to it. If you don't like the message, well, you can just email Pastor Charles because it's his notes, okay? No, I'm kidding. It, uh, it's a great sermon. He wrote it very well. And uh, so let's take a moment to pray uh, for Charles and his family and for today's message. God, thank you for Pastor Charles and for Cheryl and Tiffany. Uh, we pray that you would help them to have a quick recovery. Would you care for them, God, as they're homesick? And, uh, and just bless uh, these next couple weeks as they're still with us. And God, today as we dive into your word and as we learn about active faith, would you stir our hearts uh, deep down inside in Jesus' name? Amen. Well, George Orwell was an English novelist who died over 60 years ago. He wrote a no novel before he died called 1984, where he coined a metaphor that we still use today, Big Brother. It's this concept that the government is always watching us. We're always being watched. And one quote from that novel uh, works into our message today, and this is it. We have sunk to such a depth that the restatement of the obvious is the first duty of intelligent men. So what does this have to do with Christianity or being a follower of Christ? It, it describes uh, what's happened to many followers of Christ in the church today. Sometimes we forget the why behind it all. Sometimes our faith can become so ho-hum or blah or lukewarm. Sometimes we can be unclear about uh, what our purpose is here on earth and why the church is here, why the church exists. And as a result, we sometimes need to do what Orwell said and restate the obvious. Uh, Barna Research is a Christian research company and, and each year they come out with their, with their findings. And in a recent study, they had six uh, really big mega themes in North America and all of them were disturbing. And this one really stands out. Look at this quote. The influence of Christianity on culture and individuals' lives is largely invisible today. Let that sink in. What a contrast to what Jesus said in Matthew when he commanded us to be, uh, our, let our light shine before men that we might see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. It appears that Christians more and more in society are making less and less of a difference. It appears the contrast between someone who would say, I am a Christ follower and someone who is not, the contrast is not much different. Maybe we've lost sight of our end game, the why or the obvious as Orwell has said. Maybe we've lost sight of the kind of product that the local church is producing. Now, don't take this uh, product metaphor too long, because by following Jesus, we're not producing things like TVs or smartphones or, or rifling out burgers at a fast food restaurant. 
but we're doing a lot of church stuff. And the question is, what is all this spiritual activity producing? What is the outcome of all this? I don't want to speak to that issue this morning. We're in this series at West Park about our values. And uh, because the clearer our vision is, the more effective we'll be. So for today, if you're taking notes, you can fill in the, the big idea today is four activities indicate that a disciple of Jesus is living out active faith. Active faith is one of our values. Four activities indicate that a disciple of Jesus is living out an active faith. We reviewed last week and, and over uh, all these messages, um, the clear vision answers these four questions. And we've got these four questions up here. Charles would say the what, <laughs> the why, he's not here, I can do this, the how, and the when. If you don't know, our lead pastor has a very thick American accent, and that's how he says his W's. Um, so the why is our mission. The what is our mission. The why is our values. The how is our strategy. And the when is our measures. And then when we flip that card, the what, another way to see it, is a compass. That is our organizational compass as a church. The why, our values, is like a flame. It's that, that passion within us that ignites uh, that flame. The how, our strategy, is like a flashlight. It guides us and leads us and illuminates our path. And the when, our measures, is like a target. How we know we're reaching the target when we, uh, when we do things. And then we have our mission statement. Let's say it together. It's up on the screen behind us. One, two, three. Everyday people, the journey together, pursuing Christ. And then our strategy is an acronym called PATH, P-A-T-H. And it's like a flashlight because it shows us the path that we need to take. P stands for prioritize relationships. A stands for attend church. T, take time to serve and give. And H is hunger to know Christ. And our values are like, again, like that flame that empowers us and energizes us. It's what we want people to experience when they call West Park Church their home. So our five values are active faith, cultural diversity, servant leadership, next generation, and missional engagement. So today I want to talk about active faith. Active faith demonstrated by engaging in evangelism, discipleship, worship, and biblical community. Active faith is all about being a disciple of Christ and understanding why we uh, exist individually, but also why we exist corporately as a church. Active faith is about living a consistent, faithful walk with Christ. And active faith involves us getting in, engaged with things like evangelism, sharing the gospel with words, with actions, with how we live our life, with discipleship each day on this journey, pursuing Christ, becoming more like Christ, becoming a better disciple of Christ, worship, both uh, corporate worship in a setting like that you experienced this morning, but also a daily lifestyle of worship to Jesus and biblical community, being a part of what God's doing in the local church. So active faith is essentially avoiding what this uh, young 22-year-old Christian said, and I'll, and I'll read this quote. I was a Christian for 22 years, but instead of being a 22-year-old Christian, I was a one-year-old Christian 22 times. I kept doing the same thing over and over again. 
You know the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting to get different results. I believe that the church, global, universal, has become satisfied with what we're doing rather than what we are truly becoming or producing. And the Bible explains the purpose of church corporately and our purpose individually through metaphors and word pictures. The Bible says things like, we are the salt, we are light, we are leaven, we are an army, we are ambassadors. And all these terms portray the church uh, infiltrating society, having an influence on society to glorify God as we reflect Christ. So we must constantly remind ourselves and recommit ourselves to Christ's commands about the why question. As Orwell said about intelligent people, restating the obvious. <clears throat> and Jesus' last words before ascending to heaven kind of gives us our uh, marching orders for what we're, how we're to live out the Great Commission. We call this the Great Commission. Acts 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Matthew recorded these similar words in Matthew 28, 18. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Because Jesus has all the power, he charges us with this task, winning the world for him. Verse 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This work of making disciples for, is for every Christ follower. It's not just the work of people who uh, volunteer at the church or in full-time ministry. And he says it in a command, make disciples. It's interesting that the word Christian appears in the New Testament only three times, yet the word disciple appears in the New Testament over 250 times. This whole concept uh, of making disciples is creating something of quality. Have you ever had a really good piece of chocolate? And you're like, oh, that's what chocolate's supposed to taste like. And then you had dollar store chocolate? There's a difference. And there's a reason why one costs more. But this, this something of quality, it implies that um, an effective workforce to reach the world for Christ. And it, he gives two qualifiers to this command, reaching and teaching, populating heaven and pursuing Christ-likeness. So the next part of the verse is, uh, uh, scripture says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is the reaching and populating heaven part. Then verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. This is the teaching and the pursuing Christ-likeness component. And lastly, it says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here he promises us to be with us and empower us to do the Great Commission. So the way we fulfill Christ's uh, command to reach the world is by making disciples. So we must define a disciple, and that is what an active faith produces. So looking back in Jesus' day, there were rabbis who had set up shop, and they had a group of students there who they called their disciples. The word was also used to describe the apprentice of a weaver or of a student a physician or the disciple of a, 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 a philosophical school. 
And disciples in those schools of philosophy, after the teacher died, held the teacher's teachings in, in such reverence that they, they used it as their life mission to live those out and to share those with others and preserve his sayings. In that time and in earlier uh, discussions between sages and their disciples were often set within just the daily routine of life while sitting under a tree, in the marketplace, sharing a meal, or walking down the road. It was about a century after Christ that uh, the teaching setting was more like this, uh, a classroom with students, and, and not to diminish that kind of teaching because that's the, the teaching that I'm doing today. But understand in Jesus' day, it was very, very different. It was more personal and, uh, and, and happened as the day went on. But unlike other rabbis and their, their schools, there was a deep attachment to Jesus as a person. You see, in order to truly buy into his teaching, you had to buy into him as a person and understand him as a person. His teaching only had true impact when you understood him and you were committed to him as a person. Uh, his, his personal commitment explains the deep depression that the disciples must have felt when Jesus was crucified and was no longer with him. They had not only lost his teachings, but they had lost Jesus himself. But we understand that Jesus defeated death and was so much more than just a teacher. He was the living Lord, Savior, Messiah, who had come to save people from their sins. So let's unpack a little bit what active faith means. And it's one of our, uh, th these four essential indicators of a committed disciple follower of Jesus. Again, back to our big idea. Four activities indicate that a disciple of Jesus is living out an active faith. So activity number one, believe. This has to do with your thoughts and your head and your mind. Head represents what you believe. When these rabbis would set up shop as teachers, the potential students would seek out the rabbi to sit under their teaching. There was no such thing as a student without a teacher. Like online study, independent study wouldn't have worked back then. It wouldn't classify true uh, rabbinical teaching and being a disciple of a rabbi. And the teaching was not like our schools. Like in our schools, again, the teacher sits up front, the students learn, and it uh, pours information into the students. But their teaching was called peripatetic learning. Charles, I hope I said that word right. Peripatetic learning. Learning by walking around. You'd literally follow in the steps of your rabbi, and you'd walk the same dusty roads that they would walk. And you'd learn from them in close proximity and activity. Uh, when I walk my girls to the bus stop in the morning, we walk on the sidewalk. And years ago, when they paved, uh, when they did our sidewalk, the concrete, um, some person thought it would be fun to walk in it while it was still wet. So there's these footprints in this one stretch of sidewalk on our way to the bus stop. And the girls' favorite activity is to follow those steps. And they're big ones, so they have to stretch and reach for them. But they love doing that, stepping in the steps that this person did. And that's kind of what, what, what we're trying to get across, is that when you would be in a, a disciple of one of these rabbis, you would walk in the steps that they walked, and the actual dust that they would stir up as they were walking would be upon you. So <clears throat> in rabbinical literature, there was a saying like this, 
May you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And that picture of Jesus, that's, it's a beautiful picture of what we should strive for as a disciple of Christ. This is, uh, we're going to show this little video. This is a clip, for, uh, a trailer for some um, Bible teaching. And it kind of visually describes this phrase that we just uh, learned. So let's watch this now. of the rabbi, the only place to be if you wanted to be a Talmudim, a disciple. How could you learn to walk like the rabbi if you were not so close to him, so consumed with becoming like him that you were covered in his dust? So that kind of captures the, the picture that we're talking about. So a true disciple was close to his rabbi that he literally would become <clears throat> covered with the same dust that covered him. The disciple literally walked around with Jesus, walking the same uh, uh, dust that he walked in and becoming like Jesus. And, and Jesus usually used things that were happening around him to teach his lessons. In Matthew 6, he says, Oh, birds, look at the birds of the air. And then he'd make an application. Or later on, oh, flowers, look at the flowers of the field, and he'd make an application. You see, he was teaching them as he was going about day-to-day -day life. So if you wanted to learn from Jesus, you had to join in Jesus through everyday life. Among many differences between Jesus and other rabbis is that with, uh, with Jesus, they didn't seek Jesus out. A true disciple follower of Christ, Jesus called them out and said, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And Jesus didn't call, doesn't call us out primarily just to his teachings, but also to himself. Jesus doesn't call us just to impart information, but he wants to awaken a commitment inside of us to himself. Jesus called you and me, disciples, a commitment to himself, not a person, not a philosophy like the, disi the disciples of rabbi teachers of old. But he wants us to be attached to him, that we would learn from him and from his word. So discipleship, active faith, it involves believing and learning from Jesus and his word. And our commitment to you um, through this uh, transition phase as a church is that we will teach well. After Charles teaches next week and then he, we have the farewell on the 26th, uh, myself, Corey Brown and Neil Chotai will go on rotation and we'll continue to teach. We'll continue this value of teaching God's word well. And we'll continue on, on that. So activity one is believe, your thoughts. Activity two is do, the actions. A disciple follows through on what they learn about Jesus. It's not just learning about him, it's following through and acting. It's not just an information dump, but it's follow through and doing what we learn. Truly learning from Jesus changes your actions, your behavior, priorities and perceptions. It will change what we do. A true disciple of a rabbi would begin to look like and sound like and act like his teacher. 
I remember in Bible college, we would do these one-week intensive courses. And what would happen is a teacher would come in, and it was five days. It was the same teacher all day. And I remember this one teacher talked really, really fast. He was almost like an auctioneer. And I remember by the the time that one-week intensive course was done, I found myself talking faster. (laughs) Because being under that teaching, part of who he was rubbed off on me. And that's what we want as, as followers of Christ, that the more time we spend with Jesus, the more time we spend with his people, the more and more he rubs off on us. In Jesus' day, many people believed him at a cognitive level, but never believed him deep down inside their heart and truly followed him. A true disciple will actually become like Christ. In Jesus' days, uh, today is the same thing. We are known as true follower of Jesus because of our actions. Now, many rabbis would give up a great deal to, to do that back in the day, but they received at the end of it the fame and the fortune and the respect because of their teaching. But Jesus, however, requires his disciples to leave all things for his sake. And in doing so, we're not merely to believe uh, him, but to obey him. What a disciple of Jesus would do for Jesus exceeded what other disciples would do for other rabbis. So a true disciple of Jesus, their commitment is reflected in a greater commitment, priority, and loyal to him over anything else, over your self-interests, over your possessions, over your relationships, your hobbies, goals in life, even our very lives. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to the disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now, back in those days, people understood uh, the power and the uh, significance of the cross. It was a cruel method of execution and death. And criminals would carry the cross portion up to their place of execution. And everybody knew that this person could not turn back. There was no turning back. Everybody knew what this person was going to do. It's a vivid illustration to show a a disciple of Christ our true intent in following him is to say goodbye to our own will and self-centered desires and follow Christ. So in James 1 verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. So a true disciple, one with active faith, believes and does, right? Number one, believe with our thoughts. Number two, do actions. And here's number three, activity number three, desire, our motives about our heart. Desire represents uh, a, a level of motives, passion, fire. It represents the why behind what we do, what we do. The reason and motivation uh, for our lives to believe and to do is because we're attached to the person and the word of Jesus Christ. Being a disciple of Jesus means that we are infused with his values and convictions into our core beliefs. There's, there's not only a, a, an outside change, but a heart change deep down inside. He has planted the want to's in our heart. As you become a follower of Christ and a disciple of Christ, even your own desires and your, your want to's change. 
When our desire to know Christ becomes more and more of the motivational core of our being, biblical behavior and biblical thought and patterns become more and more automatic and innate. It's a process. So Jesus said that that was the greatest commandment. Math, uh, Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Number one commandment. So being a true disciple of Jesus, having an active faith will impact every part of your being. How you think, what you do, why you do what you do. And we have the responsibility to fuel this desire. 2 Timothy 1.6 For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And that's a great picture of of and reminder that this commitment to Jesus is not just a passive thing. We don't just wake up every day and be like, ah, whatever happens, happens. No, it requires us to be active and fan into that flame, into, into flame. We have the responsibility to fuel this desire. So a believer with active faith will, number one, believe. Number two, do. Number three, desire. And here's the final one, number four, develop. Develop, and it speaks to our, our habits. You see, Paul used a word picture here that his readers could easily identify with. It's a picture of an athlete <clears throat> training for the Olympics, something like the Olympics. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 says, Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has, has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. The original language here, this word train, that, uh, that's where we get the English word gymnasium from. And spiritual training refers to certain practices called spiritual disciplines, which prepare our hearts and minds to consistently live out our faith. These practices help us uh, believe what Jesus says. They help us do what he says and, and desire him even greater. Some of these habits involve, you know, a, a regular routine of Bible reading of prayer, of study, serving, being generous with your time and, and with your resources, silence, solitude, fasting. They aren't just practices unto themselves, but when we do these practices, it's training ourselves to become more and more like Jesus. So let's review and, and we'll repeat these out loud again, okay? These four words, believe, do, desire, develop. You ready? Number one, Let's try that again, everybody. I know you lost an hour of sleep, but you can do it, okay? Let's do this together. One, two, three. Believe. Next one. Do. Next one. Desire. Next one. Desire. That's amazing. Now, I know you're tired, but let's do a little test, okay? Up here on the screen is just the images, okay? See if you can remember what each one of these images represents. Do you remember this one? The image of the head. Whoa, look at you go. That's amazing. Number two is the hands. What does this represent? Awesome. Next one, heart. Yeah. And the last one, habits. Amazing. I want you just to take a moment before we uh, read this next part. I want you just to look at that screen right now and think about your own life. What's God stirring in your heart today? What's something that you think could be an action point this week? 
Is there a part of you that, that looks at this and says, as it describes what a disciple is, describes active faith? Is there something that God's stirring your heart today that you might need to work on? As, as you reflect, I want to read this letter uh, written by a man who is truly devoted follower of Jesus and living out this active faith that we're talking about. So I'll read the letter. It says this, I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, chained visions, world ta worldly talking, cheap living, and warped goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean in his presence, walk by patience. I am uplifted by prayer. I am a laborer with power. My face is set. My gait is fast. My goal is heaven. My reed is narrow. My walk is rough. My companions are few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, delude or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I have prayed up and paid up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till everyone knows, work till he stops me. And when he comes, he comes for his own, he will have no trouble recognizing me my banner will have been clear. So who is this letter from? This letter was from uh, a note found many years ago of a young pastor in Zimbabwe, Africa, following his martyrdom for his faith in Jesus Christ. It's out of the book called Signature of Jesus by Brennan Manning. And it's a great picture of what we're talking about today. As you reflect on that letter, why don't you close your eyes for a minute? And just reflect, how would you describe your faith? Would you describe it as non-active? <laughs> Weak? Blah? Lost? Missing in action? Perhaps on life support? Barely a heartbeat? Dead? Or would you say that my faith is active, vibrant, full of life, energy, focus, and intensity like this young pastor. You can open your eyes. That is our prayer for you, West Park people, church, that your faith would be alive and vibrant and well, and that you would pursue relationship with Jesus, that you would live out your faith and it would be active and that you would make a difference in this world. So before I pray, I just uh, want to say to you today, if you are not a follower of Christ, you can become a follower of Christ. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he wants you to live this life and life to the fullest. And perhaps your heart is stirring today saying, I want to become a Christ follower. 
Accepting Jesus is very simple, but it is the biggest decision you could ever make in your life. It's as simple as A, B, C. A, accept that you are a sinner. B, believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And C, commit to follow him with your life. I'm going to pray, and if you would like to accept Jesus today as your Savior and as your Lord, I would encourage you to repeat this prayer uh, under your breath or quietly to yourself. There's no magic in the words, but it's a condition of your heart. And so let's bow our heads together, and if you want to accept Christ this morning, just repeat this prayer in your heart or under your breath. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I believe that you came and died for my sins. I believe that only you can forgive me of my sins. Today I confess that you are Lord and you are Savior. Forgive me, accept me into your kingdom, into eternal life, in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for for everyone this morning. God, would you help us to live out this active faith? God, would you help us not just to learn your teaching, but draw us close to your side. We pray that the dust that is stirred up would be on us, walking so closely with you. Help us to live for you, God, and represent you so well in this earth. Let it not just be the learning, but the doing And God, may West Park be full of people who are living out this active faith day to day to day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.